fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, then talk about assholes pretending to be journalists in order to harass people with my friend Caitlin. Oh, is this about Kian Vex? <laughs> oh, you know what? It's uh, it's about Ezra, it's about David Menzies, and about Kian, who have all gotten in scuffles with police this week. <laughs> I saw that he did get in a scuffle with the Danish police, I think. Yes, that was Ezra, yeah. Yeah. That'll be at the end of the show, but we're also going to cover both Kian and David's uh, mixes up with the police as well. All stupid, all bad, but uh, that's what we do <laughs> on this show. So how are you, Caitlin? I guess we already got that started, but... I'm, uh, uh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> Just before we started recording, we were talking about the rise of like right-wing populism in Latin America and, you know, put the damp damper on my mood. <laughs> hey, this is part of it, you know, create that solidarity and we'll uh, crush them in the future, you know. That's yeah. how we roll. Yeah. We've got to keep you informed, which is why you tune into this podcast. And uh, I, I want to say uh, about this podcast, for this past month, we've been kind of like trying to figure out uh, stuff with it, like the recording schedule and stuff like that. And I feel like now we're kind of technically caught up. So when we're recording this, which is Monday, I have now listened to all of the Ezra needed to do the episodes. And what we're going to do going forward is we're going to continue to record on Monday. And I think we'll have like a release schedule that's basically we'll release an episode on Tuesday and then an episode on Thursday. And so if the whole previous week is can all fit into one episode. We'll have a Tuesday episode that's just the roundup, and then maybe we'll do a special episode on Thursday where we cover stuff. And if it happens to go long, we'll do what we do, we've been doing recently, which is have an hour and then another hour of roundup. This week, I'm not sure because I'm also releasing, uh, you will have already listened to two previous episodes that have released this week. So this might be the only episode technically this week, but we'll figure it out going forward. The other thing to note is if we reach $60 a month, all of our upfront costs will be gone and we can start saving up for better equipment and making a better quality show. We're That's currently exciting. at $38 a month. So please consider donating now and pushing us over this threshold. So please donate to patreon.com slash imperial news or you can promote your show with uh, promote this show with your friends. And then they can donate, and we can all be happy and merry and have a good time. And with that, the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. January 15th. There's... What's happening on the 15th is Ezra does an entire show with Kian because Ezra has paid Kian to travel to Wet'suwet'en to the Unistoten camp okay. to basically, I, I don't know, we're going to get to it, but basically to ask one question and then run away. <laughs> uh, but of course, there's a bunch of preamble before Ezra gets to it, so... Ezra calls the indigenous that are blocking the pipeline uh, a fake First Nation. What? So the main contention is that 
again, we went over this before, which is that there's like these other council bands that seem to be supporting the pipeline. So that's why he wants to say that the hereditary chiefs are not a real First Nation, which again is not what Indigenous people think. And again, my hope is to eventually interview someone on these issues that we can get a bit more clearer on this topic. But at least that's my sense of it. But for Ezra, they're fake. The other thing he Ezra wants to argue is that not only are they like not a real First Nation, he actually argues that a lot of these people on the site are white people from Ontario. And I don't know how much of that is true either, but we'll get to some of that. In... But does that matter? <sighs> not. So you can't like support a cause? Well, support's one thing, but I guess if... If the argument being made is that this is indigenous hereditary like land, then I would hope that there's indigenous people there wanting to protect it rather than white people just coming in saying, we're going to protect it for you, if that makes sense. Like if they're helping, that's another thing. Yeah. Right? So long as it's being indigenous, indigenously led, I guess okay. that's my thing, which I think it is. But I think what Ezra's trying to contend is that actually it's being run by like you know, foreign-funded environmentalists. Because there's no such thing as a grassroots left-wing movement to Ezra. It's always, like, either George Soros or some other sort of foreign entity. Oh, yeah, like people don't actually care about these issues or causes. Is that that kind of... (laughs) It's funny, but, like, that's... You see it all the time, even, like, when I interrupted... Uh, Maxime Bernier in town and there was tons of people on the Twitter being like how much did he get paid and it's like I just went and did it actually speaking of Maxime Bernier <laughs> I went grocery shopping and bumped into Celine Monsieur oh. <laughs> how did that go <laughs> I actually I went to not um, grocery shopping but I went to a farmer's market and he was there and I went with my parents to show them the Covenant Gardens um, cause they've never been, that's in London, yeah. Ontario. And he was shopping around and I was like to my parents, he's a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forget that these people live in our area. Like, quite possibly. Yeah. He was them. looking at spices next to me. Yeah. Gross. So before we get into the actual, like key ants coverage of, of what he did in Unistoten, Ezra says that he sent Kian on a mission around Christmas and then goes, it was a secret mission and you're going to find out about it. And so I just wanted to flag that because I don't know what that is and I'm kind of nervous about it. <laughs> but that's that. And then, so Ezra's, Ezra's trying to tease this whole thing up to like hype his crew before yeah. he talks about how he sent Kian to what's wet and and he goes on another side tangent. So I guess uh, Kian got in a scuffle with Jessica Yuniv outside of a courthouse during a, a hearing of some kind revolving around her having the illegal weapon that she showed on a live stream, which we talked about on the show already. And as, so I guess there's footage of him harassing Yaniv in the courthouse and then again outside and you can very clearly hear her yelling for him to stop it and go away. And then she runs up and punches him. And the thing is, that it's quite possible that she will get a, a charge for doing that. But when you watch the video, it is quite clear that this is someone being harassed. Like, there's no other way to put it. She's like, I've told you this many times. Just leave me alone. Stay away. Back off. Go away. Yeah. And it gets to the point where you're like, 
the, the best thing to do in this instance. Like, you don't just get to go, I'm a journalist. I'm going to keep on harassing you and shove my camera and microphone in your face. There comes a point where, like, that's harassment now. They've told yeah. you several times to leave them alone, right? Well, it's the fact that they chase them. They insult them. They literally, like, it's just the, like, the running after the people yeah. and just won't cut it out that it, it does become, like, you're stalking me. You're harassing me. And here's the thing is, Yaniv said, you're stalking me. Yeah. She said that on the footage that Kian then posted for everyone to see. And then reading the comments on Twitter is the worst thing in the world. She's dead named, harassed. And here's the thing is, again, Yaniv doesn't have to be the shining beacon of goodness and great trans activism because she's clearly a flawed character that we've criticized on other points. But it's like, that doesn't mean yeah. that she still should not be harassed. Yeah, no, I agree. And <laughs> another thing I was thinking about the other day, actually very specific to the Jessica Yaniv's case, is... You know, trans people are allowed to be imperfect humans. Yeah. And there's a lot of times this rhetoric, like, if you're part of a minority group, like, you can do no wrong. I'm like, that's not what we're talking about, right? Like, and and that's what they're doing. They're taking one flaw of a human being and saying, well, trans people are monsters, they're perverts, because this one individual, you know, had some emotional appeal to this waxing incident and acted on their emotions which just goes to show you people are flawed and complex and it has nothing to actually do with their trans identity as more as that individual person and maybe what they're going through as an individual and i think that's what the problem is here is like they take a flaw which is a very normal human flaw and then they like convolute it with the identity of being trans yeah and that's what I think is kind of disgusting because it's so unfair for those groups who are allowed to make mistakes in their lives. They're allowed to be imperfect. They don't have to be perfect and saying the right things and doing the right things all the time and be this like superhuman that's super good and free from any like negativity just because they're part of a minority group. That's, it's not fair. Yeah. And of course, Kian's footage ends. So as Yaniv hits him and then again tries to get away. And while she's getting away, she's calling the police. And then he's being like, good, call the police because you just hit me. I got enough footage, all this fun stuff. And then as soon as the cops come, Kian shuts his footage off, which really annoyed me because, again, you can tell why he's doing that. You just harass this person. You don't know how the cop's going to react. The cop was called on you. And therefore, you want to shut it off to avoid any of that confrontation. Now, they they claim that they're now taking her, to, uh, that they've pressed charges. But again, we'll have to wait to see what comes of it. And my guess is she actually has some chance of being able to dismiss the charges, I think, to some extent. It might be difficult because there there is to one extent that she kind of came after him and hit him. But again, after telling him to leave right i mean to me it's like if there was a guy chasing me a young guy like yan who by the way looks like a fucking douchebag and and is following me around i would punch him in the face too yeah so anyways well i guess we'll find out more about that but uh pretty gross so then 
again, Ezra is still sort of hyping up the story, leading to he's really excited that the that he sent Kian to Wet'suwet'en. So Ezra then starts talking about the pipeline again because he's you know loves oil technology and gas technology. Steel, yeah, oil. steel and pipes, an industry, and <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> He again makes some like weird claim that there's been ax- absolutely no natural gas leaks from a pipeline, and that's not true. I just did a Google search and found at least six that have occurred in the last decade in Canada. Uh, for example, one that looked really bad was on October 17, 2013, a natural gas line in Fort McMurray, or just south of Fort McMurray, Alberta, ruptured and dumped an estimated 16.5 million cubic meters of natural gas into the atmosphere. Which, again, if you've listened to some of our previous shows, methane, which is one of the main sort of concoctions of natural gas, is one of the worst greenhouse gases to be into the atmosphere. It has a heating potential that's way higher than carbon. And we just dumped it into the atmosphere with this pipeline. So... Yeah, Ezra's wrong about there being absolutely no... He, he, I mean, he wants to sell this technology as being like super safe, super sort of environmentally friendly. But for him, environmentally friendly doesn't mean not contributing to global warming. It just means that you're not going to have like oil on ducks, I guess, because for him, it's the visual things that really bug him. If you can see the duck covered in oil, he thinks that that's what gets people all activated where like natural gas it's just a vapor it disappears and goes away and you can't see it i mean i could see there's some truth to that statement where people feel I, i guess what i'm saying is i think ezra is speaking to a truth in that yes people i think react more react more to like seeing ducks and stuff covered in oil yeah that's what my point was gonna be is there's just that emotional appeal where people will actually ignore climate issues that are happening when it comes to things like, I don't know, I guess something that sounds a little more technical, like a pipeline being built. Well, that's why, why I think he's talking like this too, because he's, he's aware that people feel that way. So yeah. he's going like, look, this natural gas, it just disappears so that it has this like, look, it's clean. You, you understand intuitively that it's clean because you've seen the other stuff and that's not clean right yeah because there's no tar on the docks yeah (laughs) the other thing is so we also discussed in previous episodes about the fact that there's this court case that basically ordered the rcmp to remove the blockade and so far this they haven't removed the blockade of the pipeline and ezra is really upset about this Because he's like, the court has already ruled on it. They should be taking them off. But it's clear, like, there's a complicated history having to do with the indigenous unceded territory. Yeah. And you have things like the federal government, but also you have international eyes viewing this problem. And so you're going to have this situation where even though the courts ruled that the blockade is illegal... It would be a really stupid move for the RCMP, I think, right now to just run in there to to get rid of the camp, especially after what happened the last time they did it and it created a huge movement against them, right? Yeah. But he's upset about that. And because of all this, he talks about how he paid for security for Kian. So he sent Kian on this mission 
And then he also paid a security guard to go with Kian. And he already, he brags that it, it cost more than the trip itself to pay for the security guard to be there for Kian. Cool. Okay. All right. Could I, could I ask one question before we go? Um, you guys are using tires and gasoline. Do you, is that hypocritical at all, given that you want to stop a pipeline? All right. All right. Well, well, thanks for your time. So that was the security guard that said, thanks for your time. And if you can't make out what the response was, the person basically just said, no, we're directing you to the hereditary chiefs. Now you can go speak to them. <laughs> then they go away. <laughs> but here's the thing is they paid all that money. So Kian could ask one stupid hypocrisy gotcha question. <laughs> Which is all his questions. When, are, like, when does he ask anything that's actually legitimate? Never. But, I, <laughs> but at least they didn't spend like a couple grand getting him to like Greta's hotel in Edmonton to do the similar They paid thing. a lawsuit so they could get oh, into yeah. the federal elections to ask bullshit questions yeah. like that. <laughs> Just for half of the leaders to go, no, I'm not going to answer your question. He goes, oh, why? Was it a tough one? Like saying bullshit like that. So, And this was the only question he got to ask. Once we got to the checkpoint, though, we were a little bit disappointed. Um, and my security detail was very antsy. He didn't want me to get out of the car. And right when things looked like they were heading south, he kind of hightailed it out of there. He was driving the truck. So I was at his uh, beck and call. I I, I uh, at his whims, I, I would have rather to stay. Maybe he wasn't having any of it. He has to take a plane. They fly out there. They get this car. They go up. They get past the RCMP checkpoint. They get into the woods. He finds a group of people. They ask them, <laughs> ask them one gotcha. And then the security guard gets spooked in the hut. <laughs> Like it's so stupid. The fact that like anyone could watch that and think that these people are they're just fighting for freedom. They're just fighting for what's right. So the one thing is they want to focus on the fact that it really is dangerous there. You need to be afraid. And so they talk about how there's traps set up everywhere. And so like their lives were in danger. Like trees could snap and fall and kill people. There's these okay. things called widow makers. I'm not there. I don't know how much of that is true or an exaggeration on their or part. Or how much is that just feeding into this rhetoric of like indigenous people being barbaric, living it out in the jungles almost. Like that's what he's painting, that kind of picture. Like these indigenous people are crazy. The conditions they live in, they're, it's dangerous. Danger is all about, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's not okay. And then <laughs> I guess what Kian wants to say too is as they were pulling up, he could tell that they were sort of like taking pictures of him and we're going to play the clip, but basically he describes that they took a picture of his face and then went inside a building to run it through face recognition software. And how did they get so technical? I'm confused. So where did the, the jungle, the barbaric jungle end into this like high tech security? Oh, uh, but it's the, the best part is he thinks that the only reason they're doing this is because Bex already exposed that they were fake. There was two white guys. One white guy was taking a picture of the vehicle from 360 degree, 
360 degrees with a really, really nice camera. Um, and then he hightailed it back to the hut where I imagine they uploaded those facial images to wherever their hidden headquarters are. And another white guy was acting sort of as security to the one indigenous spokesperson who was there. And once that indigenous spokesperson sort of whispered in his ear, they determined they weren't going to speak to us. I was pretending to be an independent journalist who was going to sell this story. I was going to auction it off because I knew that they wouldn't talk to me as a rebel news journalist. Um, I, I knew that since I exposed the wet sweat in First Nation society as a fake First Nation, they would know who I was. And <laughs> since there was no internet connection out there to verify, I figured it would be uh, more beneficial to act independent. Okay. So he... <laughs> I exposed the secret truth that the what's what's people are not really First Nations. There are fake First Nations, but it's it's the fact that he one had white to... guy talked to me when I came. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is like again, this gets into the whole issue of race science, which is that I don't know that I could look at someone and go, "You're indigenous." Like, there's tons of people that I've known throughout my life who have a complexion that's not too dissimilar from mine and they turn out to be indigenous well so actually how they consider people first nations or indigenous changes a lot they tend to move the rules and standards um but if you want to get like the the ban card um and get some of the privileges and rights that come with being indigenous i think you only need to be one twelfth yeah. Because my cousin's half. And I know this because when we were younger, um, her she lived with um, my uncle and my aunt, and she was from another marriage that my uncle was in, and they went through the whole process of applying for her indigenous status. And, yeah, her mom, I think, was and just completely, fully indigenous and i know she's she's technically half but they do tend to like it's weird because it's not like you're like you could split your blood and you're like 50 yeah. percent indigenous <laughs> and her dad was uh hungarian yeah. no macedonian sorry so it's not like she was like 50 percent macedonian 50 percent indigenous right like no, it's, you're gonna be a mixture of a whole bunch of stuff. yeah so it's it's weird but it's like if you can trace it down to like one twelfth of your family line is indigenous then you can get it but the issue is this is where it gets complicated is that one twelfth has to have like you have to go back throughout your whole bloodline and they have to have indigenous status and if someone's skipping you weren't getting it so that yeah. was like a huge issue. And then like if your mom, for example, has an indigenous indigenous status card, like, or doesn't have it, sorry, then you can't go get it. Doesn't matter even if you got all the paperwork to show that you were. I, I don't know. There's a lot of well, like. That's partly what, what I was just going to speak to, which is that like, it, it seems to process. me, it, it seems to me sort of like weird to have the government impose this kind of thing, because I can imagine scenarios of like, what about an indigenous community that adopts someone who isn't a quote-unquote like blood twelfth or whatever the problem with this is because it dates back to this colonial period of right. time that they believed in this race, race science yeah. and what they actually used to do and this to me like this this is crazy to me and i always teach my students this as well just to show them how arbitrary race is so if you were black you were only black if your mother was black 
because you could always trace the mom. Yeah. If you're indigenous, it was your father, but not your mother. And if your mother married a white man, which actually that rule, I think, continued to the 1980s, you lost your indigenous status. So if I was an indigenous woman and married someone outside of my reserve, Jesus I lost my, no, it's true. I know, but like, so. We're so Magalie Pickyard, <laughs> no, no, but Magalie Pickyard, who's the vice president of PSAC National, she's indigenous. And she said when she grew up on the reserve, her father, she did a whole speech um, and said her father told her she has to marry an indigenous man if she wants to continue to be indigenous or else they would have lost, she would have lost her indigenous status. And I think this was like 1990s, 1980s, something like that. But it changed once she got a bit older. She was young at this time. Um, But the reason why they tied it to your father was because of the treaty that they had in place and that obligated them to give resources to Indigenous people. Not everyone knows their father, so we can limit people's resources that we're giving them. However, everyone knows their mother, and if we need slaves, we can just trace it back to the mother. And what was happening, which is extremely unfortunate and heartbreaking, was a lot of uh, like plantation owners were raping the woman. Yeah. And so a way to conti- keep their kids as slaves was to say, well, your mother's black, you're black, therefore you're going to be a slave. And what would end up happening is a lot of these plantation owners, of course, they don't want their kids to be slaves, would send their kids off to Europe to these like private schools if they could afford it. If not, the kid was a slave. And it was like that one drop of, you know, black blood yeah, yeah. kind of rule, but it was traced for your mom because everyone knows who their moms are. Not everyone knows who their dad is. Racist. No, but it's, it's crazy because that's like <laughs> a lot of the things that we understand about our society are based on those ideas. Like the idea like you need to be one twelfth indigenous. What, what does that even mean? But really what they're trying to say is we want to make it very difficult for you to trace down your history for you to get those rights. Well, I mean, this the whole issue about rights surrounding these conflicts just really annoy me. We're going to get to it in a second. There's okay. a clip I'll play in a bit where they talk about trespassing, that the indigenous people are trespassing on what really is crown land. And to me, that ignores, like, I mean, it should be obvious to anyone that like, well, where did the queen get this land? Well, she got it because she just took it from the indigenous people, right? Like, crown land is... You're shaking your head no. No, no, no. I'm like... <laughs> I'm shaking my head no with, like, disbelief, like, dis- or not yeah, disbelief, yeah. like, disgust kind of I thing. couldn't read it. The look in your <laughs> eyes haven't had... I couldn't tell it's if it okay. was, like, anger or anger with me for getting a fact wrong. No, 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 no. This is sometimes why I feel yeah. like we need to be filmed. <laughs> No one's going to get this now. Oh, well, I talked about your eyes. Okay. Either way, so <laughs> the point is, like, for for Ezra and Kehan to discuss how these people are trespassing is to ignore the entire history, which is, like, the, the, only, the only way you can hold the position that they have is if you completely deny history. Yeah. Well, another issue is we don't teach the history. Well, even when we do, I remember seeing somebody, like, this is just... My, my exasperation two seconds ago is because I remembered a clip of them talking to a person about like, well, what do we do about like indigenous people whose land was taken? And they basically argue might is right that like, well, we took it. So it was ours. That's a lot of conservatives argue yeah. that though. 
I talk again, <laughs> let's bring my personal life into this, but I get into fights with my own mother about this issue. And we have indigenous family members, which makes zero sense, but it's almost like we came, we conquered too bad. That's life. And I'm like, what? Like, how could you, how would you feel someone did that to you? Well, no, they can't do it to us, right? Like they can't, it's bad if they do it to us. And I'm like, well, they're doing exactly what you just said was okay for them to do. Yeah. So, but I don't. Well, well not ridiculous. only that, that you can understand then too that like, if if right now we were invaded by somebody else, we would fight back. Yeah, I mean, and and so even when we're talking about this trespassing thing, they even get mad at the fact that that they possibly are booby trapping things or putting traps down, and it's like, well, aren't they in the same like? They've been invaded maybe for like over a hundred or so years, but they're still more than a hundred, like hundreds and hundreds of years, but they're still fighting back, right? It's it's so it's like in the same way that it it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not like we're just justified in fighting back as if it's happening right now and it's new and fresh. Like some of these conflicts have been going on forever and they're still fighting back. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Also, I love this idea that you know, Kian exposed them which makes it like pretty convenient. Like the only reason they don't want to talk to me is because I exposed them. It's like, no, maybe they don't want to talk to you because you're an asshole. <laughs> or it's just, yeah. It's like they can tell. He looks like that guy <laughs> in that video that's the like... The Covenant Kids. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He looks exactly like that. Why would you want to talk to him? Yeah. It's like, look at this smug-ass white boy. That's exactly <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. And the fact that I love that he had some sort of background story. Like, I was going to tell them I was an independent journalist who's going to sell this, like, story to auction it off to someone. What? Why would they want that? Well, so here's, we'll, we'll get to another thing in a second, because he talks about some of the other journalists that are there. and Oh, they're auctioning off their stories? But we'll get to it. It's just oh, so stupid. Right. But we'll play another clip of him basically talking about the trespassing issue. His instincts to leave, although you may have objected to them, could possibly have saved maybe not your life, but your limb, especially if they're boastfully deploying harmful and malicious traps. I think that's illegal in itself, by the way. If they're bragging about widow makers and tire bombs or whatever they're called, I, I I don't know the criminal code inside out, but that's surely got to be a crime on top of their other trespassing offenses and their violations of of the court orders against them. I'm, I I think you were in a very dangerous place there, uh, and I'm glad we had security for you. And by the way, I want to invite our viewers to help chip in to cover the security. I'm not going to, well, I will say, okay, I'll say how much the security cost. So, of course, he set up a website called fakefirstnations.com. It's not a petition, but he's getting people to donate to cover the costs for sending Kian there. And so Ezra claims that they spent $1,500 on the security and that another... They have coke funding. Why do they need? Who cares? And then another $1,000 to get the, the trip up there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they just want to suck as much money out of their audience as possible. So that's all it is. They then start talking about the RCMP presence and why they aren't getting rid of the activists after the court order. And Kian actually makes the astute observation that there is an international eye on what Canada is doing here. But both Ezra and Kian think they just need to toughen up and take them out. And I found that like language like really worrying. 
because like you can see it in the context that what they're saying they're not saying take them out as in like assassinate them but like remove them right mm -hmm. however there was a story that was released recently showing that the rcmp was given the go-ahead to use lethal yeah. force and so maybe don't speak like that about taking them out maybe talk about uh and and again because this story broke, this is another reason why the government isn't just going to go in and take, get rid of them. Because the whole world is watching them yeah. behave like this. Yeah. But anyways, they're, again, it's that hyper-masculinity. Like, they should just go in Rambo style and destroy these camps and take them out. And it's just not going to happen. Kian talks about how other reporters had uh, better rapport with the community. And I'm actually astonished at that point because he sort of like admits that. And it's like, okay, so you see why this person who has that rapport is not going to get like kicked off <laughs> the camp and stuff like this, but you are. And so he has this conversation with this global news reporter. Well, at least he, he discusses having this conversation with them and how, uh, you know, they built this rapport and they stay on the community and they work with like the community members and, it's just her and her camera guy. And so there's, she didn't need security, you know? And you can see why someone who just like flies in for one day to ask one stupid ass question, like, yeah, they're not going to trust you. Well, yeah. And it's just bad fucking journalism. Like if you actually go and learn how to be a journalist and like you know, <laughs> go to school um, get some professional training. They'll teach you to build rapport with certain communities, especially marginalized communities, where there are certain gatekeepers to accessing that information. And they'll also teach you to be respectful of your surroundings. Like even as a researcher, I think majority of my classes on qualitative research have all been surrounded about like how to gain access to indigenous people without being like that colonizer that's like taking from them right yeah and we focus a lot on what's ethical principles of uh you know entering those communities and how do we how do we you know establish relationship without it being one-sided like you're just helping me with my research which is gonna help me get ahead in life right um and they do that for journalists as well like a lot of journalists if they go and take courses professional development that's what they learn it's the same thing I learned as a qualitative researcher who'd want to do like an ethnography or interviews with those communities um, for my own research. So to me, you're getting kicked off and you just go in. You're a bad journalist. <laughs> yeah, but when you're getting funded by Coke and you're a bigot, then you don't care. When you're asking leading <laughs> questions, you're a bad journalist. That's yeah. not a good, like you're not getting the actual objective answer that you want. And he could have, he had so much opportunity to think of one question. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get over that. He could have just, okay, like trying to like be in his shoes, I guess, and see like, you know, we all know that he's not trying to be objective and fair. No. We all know it's some fucking grift, but he could have even like baited them into like making it sound like that's such a leading fucking question. He could have open ended it and then been like, ah, gotcha then but no we just went right into it being like and one that's like so odd like at least i felt with some of even the the greta stuff was you could see like the lines of attack but it's so weak sauce to be like you use gasoline but you want to stop this pipeline hypocrite <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Like, that's to not a pay, question. To pay $3,000 <laughs> to get that. Like, what the fuck? I know, but that's not a question. Oh, I know. I'm, I just, I can't let that go. It's so stupid. <laughs> Ezra then discusses how being denied entry just means that they really have something to hide. I remark on the fact that Rebel News is the only media outlet that I'm aware of that is banned from attending the United Nations Global Warming Conferences. Now, that doesn't stop us. We just have to be a little bit more clever how we get in. Um, It's an irritant to me. We overcome it. It's a challenge we overcome. But it's also a um, feather in our cap as independent journalists. Um, Someone once said, uh, journalism is uncovering something that someone doesn't want you to say. Otherwise, it's PR, right? So the fact that the UN keeps us out of their conferences is proof that we're reporting something that they want hidden. So apparently this is a a quote that's been like mass attributed to like a ton of people. And I actually think it's a really bad quote because it isn't just about uncovering what someone doesn't want you to say, but that the thing that they don't want you to say has to be true. Yeah. Right? Like, because here's the thing is they could not want you to say it because what you're saying is false. And that doesn't make you justified. Well, the principles of journalism is to actually find the objective truth. It has nothing to do with supporting a side. It's to be neutral as a reporter. Well, the historical sort of like way this quote has been manipulated all the time and over time. And from what I can gather, it dates back to probably the late 1800s. The idea was that it's something like if you go searching for it, it's probably news. But if they come to you to get you to print it, it's probably PR or advertising. Right. And so like you can see where there's like some truth to that is like a pithy saying. Mm -hmm. But it's like it has evolved over there over time. It's been attributed to people like Orwell and stuff like this. But there's no evidence that he said it. But anyway, so Ezra thinks he's been, look, I can pull some like random quote out of me, even though it really doesn't elucidate his point. Ezra then starts to spin the narrative live on a show about journalists and how they cover this thing. If Sarah McDonald and I, sure, she's a very nice lady. If she is permitted by these unlawful thugs who are making weapons and threatening you to the point that your senior XRCMP security is worried, if Sarah McDonald is allowed to walk about, and I, by the way, I, t- I take it she didn't have a big burly security guard with her, or did she? She had a cameraman. A cameraman. Okay, so she didn't have a security guard. So the fact that Global News can send a woman um, who who would physically be quite vulnerable to a physical attack. Global News knows they can send a woman to a violent area and she'll be fine. She'll be given a tour by the local thugs precisely for the reason that you were not. Because as you outlined, because you're critical of them, they imply or threaten violence. That's why you have to stay in the vehicle. That is extortion. That is a form of assault. Assault is when you feel an imminent risk of force being applied against you. And that in itself shows you can't trust a word Global says, because even if Sarah McDonald is not lying, she's not telling the full truth because she can't. If she were to say some of the things that you said, she wouldn't be allowed out anymore. She'd be beaten up. There's so much to unpack in this clip because... You can tell Ezra's on the spot just creating this narrative. And he, 
he says that he literally says, if you listen to that clip again, that Kian was assaulted. And he was assaulted because he said things critical and therefore was under an implied threat from them. What? Yet there's no evidence at all that these people knew who the hell he was or that they wouldn't have answered his questions. Because in the clip that I played earlier, when he got to ask his one question, they were like, they listened to him, said no to his question, and then said, you could go this way to the hereditary chiefs. And instead, they drove away because they were afraid. Yeah. How was that an implied threat and therefore an assault? Apparently, in Ezra's mind, it is. And it's also why you can't trust Global, because Global sent a woman there who was vulnerable, and it's clear that she's not actually being assaulted because she's somehow now embedded with them and is an inside job or something. This I love goes this. back to my point, though, of a difference between a real journalist who builds rapport with communities. Yeah. Not to say that Global is, like, the most, you know, the greatest news source out there. But she's doing her job. She's doing her job, the, yeah. probably the best she can, right? And there goes just two assholes trying to make a podcast and claim that they're real journalists. Well, not that. He ends the segment by telling Kian to get some streeters. So Kian is still in uh, BC. He hasn't returned home yet because his flight's delayed because mm-hmm. of the weather. And streeters is what Ezra describes. It's just people on the street that they could then ask, like, well, what do you feel about the pipeline? And it was like, you could tell, like, him asking Kian to do this was to tell... Tell him to go get people to just confirm their narrative that, that they can throw up on YouTube and be like, look, the people are against the the uh, blockade, right? Yeah. And again, like that's how shitty their journalism is. Go all the way out there. Ask them one stupid question. So they're basically... Read because you're afraid. Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jimmy Kimmel it up in the street. <laughs> because that's literally what Jimmy Kimmel... Actually, yeah. I had a debate... It was someone that was like right leaning and it was about, sorry, this is off topic, but it was about the Trump impeachment. And then he was like, all these people are protesting for Trump and they want him out and, you know, they're in the streets. Look, look, this reporter went and asked them, do you even know why he's being impeached? And they can't even fucking ask. So I'm like, okay, show me this clip. Sends me the clip. It's fucking Jimmy Kimmel. Just asking, yeah. and a lot of them are like younger people, younger kids, and they're going, "I don't know, but he's not good." Like things like that, and they're therefore that's proof that everyone at that protest has no idea why they're they're uh, trying to impeach Trump. Yeah, that that's that's the kind of reporting that is. It's such bullshit. It's not scientific. It's not factual half the time, but people buy into that stuff. Yeah, Alex Jones and that gun girl have been doing it a lot lately too. Oh yeah! <laughs> my gosh! Yeah. What's her name? I, oh, yeah. Fuck! I share a name with her. Yeah. Which is just awful. <laughs> now every time I hear it, I'm like, Yeah, but you sh-. haven't pooped your pants, so it's. Not- <laughs> <laughs> you should give them some context for. Well, yeah, Gun Girl is someone who she brought guns to Kent State. She also did a demonstration on her campus with top- Turning Points USA where they wore diapers on campus. And then it was also leaked later. Now this is unconfirmed, but it was leaked and it's rumored that she pooped her pants in a party. And so- I mean, they have pictures. (laughs) Well, there's the diaper thing. It's an unrelated pooping. Uh, The diaper thing was totally real. 
but the pooping of the pants was something that was rumored. And so a lot of people have been uh, digging into it. So basically she's, I think it's called uh, Liberation, oh, the, no, Liberty Hangouts. Yeah. And she goes and does the, like, the streeters type she thing. She just goes to Kent State University and her huge thing right now is like, should they have tampons in the men's washroom? And yeah, then people go, I don't care. And then yeah. she goes, so you wouldn't care that a man's using a tampon? And they go, it's not my fucking business. And then she'll go, so if you saw a man bleeding out of his penis, like, they're just like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but she was one. So the other clip that I was referencing is this. She did another thing with this other person and was annoying him. And eventually he just turned to her and says, I heard you pooped your pants at Kent State. Yeah. And she just gets really offended by it. Yeah. And then like turns to homophobic insults and returned to him. So the thing about misogyny, the, the other thing that really annoys me is the talking about this reporter as being a vulnerable woman. When when you look at a lot of the footage of the people who are at uh, uh, the Unistoten camp, mm-hmm. a lot of them are women. Yeah. Who are protecting this thing yeah. and who have been arrested for doing the blockade and all this stuff. So, you know, it's this whole like fear mongering as if like these indigenous people are these huge brutes that are just going to like destroy everything. And poor Kian is afraid and these vulnerable reporters. And it's like, no, you're just creating a stupid fucking narrative exactly. to fit all your other bullshit narratives about misogyny and masculinity. Yup. So I think that's it for the whole pipeline shenanigans for now. I'm still trying to, uh, again, get an interview with someone, but uh, schedules have not lined up. That's life. But we can go on to January 16th. And you know what, Caitlin? Something's pretty crazy. But we are absolutely colder in Canada now than the warmer parts of Mars. That's a fact. And that's crazy. <laughs> it's totally crazy. <laughs> that's right. Things are cold in other places. Therefore, global warming is not real. <laughs> Did he say Mars? He was talking about Mars. Yeah. So he's like, the warm places on Mars are warmer than the colder places on Earth. Which is like, okay. I guess <laughs> Mars is like overall cold. So their warm parts well, are really supposed to be really cold or like, I don't know. Good one. He's Ezra. <laughs> I just love him. that he... Crazy! <laughs> She's got to appeal to them millennials. Listen to my millennials speak. Also, he goes on about batteries being variable. Batteries? In yeah, he's like, batteries, they don't... Like Teslas, they don't work very well in the winter. So therefore, I mean, we need oil and gas. Batteries. Batteries. Batteries for like cars. You said it funny the first time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You said like Never batter- said that I, batteries. Listen, <laughs> I butchered Iran many times yeah. in our last episode. So batteries can uh, also be boosted. It's just the way you said it. So I thought you were saying batteries, like you battered someone. Oh, no, no. Yeah. As in the things that make our cars run. Yeah, okay. But again, I mean, the stupid thing about this argument is like, okay, maybe battery-powered cars can't work in extreme cold conditions. But most of the world does not have extreme cold conditions. So Well, it's also most people don't have Teslas and they're not using Teslas, nor is it yep. affordable, nor is it the only green solution we have out there for it's transportation. The only green solution. Well, that and, 
there's batteries in like other cars that drive in the winter so well it's not even that it's also like like he's trying to make a point about climate change and saying these cars suck climate change therefore sucks i mean issues with climate change sorry issues with yeah climate change does suck but there's other green solutions to transportation like public transit like just well that's that's kind of what i was getting at like you can still find ways to reduce oil and gas like i don't think there's anyone saying in every case we must go to like completely zero like you find ways of no exactly reducing that's why it's so stupid of a point yeah (laughs) it's always a stupid point Ezra then admit so the whole reason why Ezra is talking about global warming is because this McGill professor who announced that they are resigning over the school's refusal to divest from oil and gas. So for those who don't know, McGill is a university in Montreal. And this is a tenured professor who worked in the philosophy of biology, basically. So it's a field relevant to these kinds of issues. Ezra then admits that this is big because tenure allows you to basically do whatever you want. So why would somebody want to quit? And then he starts going on this weird like conspiracy tangent saying that like you can't even get fired for sleeping with students on like tenure. Yes, you can. And then, well, yes, you can. But then you can tell like the way he's talking. He's trying to insinuate that this person's resigning probably for other reasons. Such that, like, maybe oh. a story like that would come out. So yeah. it's like, but like, there's absolutely no evidence that this is the case, and I have no reason to like speculate it that that that's the case. But this is all Ezra's got, right? And then, of course, he goes from that to talking about the person's CV as if that's relevant to this issue. And again, there's absolutely nothing in the CV. Like, what he goes is he's like, he's like, look, he used to work for a recycling company. Okay. okay. So and then he cares like, about recycling. <laughs> Great. And then he was like, he's involved in his union. Yeah, sounds awesome. All right. He played in a band. Fuck. And then Ezra finds a clip of a band with a similar name. Because so he's like, I don't know why this professor listed. He said lead singer of Megalith 2008 to 2009. But there's no like, where were you playing in this band? <laughs> so there's no information. So Ezra just types in Megalith into YouTube and like I did it too because that's the only there's one clip from a band that's from St. Uh, St. Louis of a of Megalith playing but it was in 2010. So this is after he was the apparent singer of this band. So okay. clearly he's not in the video clip. And then Ezra plays it and it's kind of like a metal band and he plays a bit of it and then he makes fun of the music being like, "Well, I'm not into it." blah 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 blah. And part of me is like, "I highly doubt that this is the band that this person was in because with two additional google searches i found that this band in st louis has had the same lead singer since the 1980s and it's not the guy from again <laughs> but then it's like why are you doing this like do you have nothing to talk about in your fucking show <laughs> like you just literally all he did was go to youtube megalith and then played the first thing that came up on his show. The guy's a metalhead that likes unions. Therefore, he can't be illegitimate. I'll be honest. I don't even know if Megaleth is a metal band. At least the one that he was in. Okay. The one in St. Louis. Yeah, there like, could be like two different complete bands. Right? Maybe it was like ambient slowcore. Or... <laughs> I don't know. 
singing about recycling. <laughs> but anyways, that's his whole segment. He then goes into the to the interview section, and he has on Gordon Chang, which we've discussed many times, and nothing really is talked about. I guess the the new story is that Trump got some sort of agreement with China on a trade deal. I don't know how it's been flushed out. And he gets Gordon Chang on to superficially talk about it. And, you know, I don't really care to hear from a guy who's been wrong about China for the past two decades to tell me about this trade deal that I know nothing about. So we're just going to skip it. And that leaves us to January 17th. And we have a different host. We get a full... David Menzies. I hour. knew it. Menzies has gotten himself into trouble. What's new? <laughs> Not once, but twice. <laughs> the first event was at a vigil in Toronto for Kassam uh, Soleimani. Okay. Now, I don't know much about this thing, but it's quite possible that there was a vigil in Toronto for him because the Iranian community is split and you could have some people who sincerely... Uh, liked him even though you have others in the Iranian community that don't. don't yeah but Menzies goes into this crowd and I don't have any video footage of any of the interaction with the people which again it puts you in a position of going okay so he got no footage of talking to the actual people he only plays the point when the cops come and start talking to him yeah and that tells me that he clearly was harassing people. Cops got called and he tries to make a scene out of oh. it. Hi, would you mind coming to the other side with us, please? I'm trying to do my job of journalism, sir, by asking questions. I'm not breaking any laws. We're in the public square. So I'm asking if you'd be kind enough to come to the other side with us because we just have some people. And just, the I, light's a little bright nice. I'm sorry. Yeah, we just have some people expressing concerns about some of the questions and perhaps you called some of them a terrorist. Uh, <laughs> oh my anyone here a terrorist? Uh, absolutely not. So I've got everything on film. I just ask you to be kind enough to just come to the other side for a few moments. Okay, but I, I don't understand why I'm in a public place, sir. Yeah, no, I'm just... I'm we're under, are we under Canadian law or Sharia law? Just, <laughs> oh I'm politely declining because I have no obligation to do So that. if I hear any more complaints about using the word terrorism, I'm going to be back here, okay? So I can't call a terrorist a terrorist? You're not, not in this sort of environment. No, you can't, okay? Because that's going to incite a breach of the peace. So, and that is Canadian law. Am I clear? If I was to call Osama bin Laden a terrorist, that would be against. Please, am I clear? I know you're not clear, sir. I don't. I can't call Osama bin Laden. And it incites a breach of the peace. You will be placed under arrest. You understand? terrorist? Oh, what am I going to be arrested for? What am I going to be ter- arrested for, sir? Peace. Breach of the peace for performing journalism. Can I hear that again? So I can't call Osama bin Laden a terrorist. Is that what you're saying, officer? Listen to me. Listen to Was me. Osama bin Laden a terrorist? Over here? No, I don't. I'm not, okay, I'm not if I hear another word like that, you're coming with us. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Is this a real law? <laughs> it reminds me of, have you seen the, the South Park episode? Where the, the one dad gets drunk at all the baseball games and then he keeps getting arrested. He's like, I thought this was America. Arresting me for what? I'm not allowed to stand up for myself? I thought this was America. Huh? Isn't this America? I'm sorry, I thought this was America. The police say that he was calling people terrorists, and that was the whole reason they approached him. Now, like, again, I have no evidence that he, in fact, he denies it in the video you just heard, but 
I mean, I frankly would believe the people in that crowd over David Menzies. I mean, he was saying, I can't call a terrorist a terrorist. Well, I wonder if what he was actually saying was like, how do you support terrorists like Kassam or something like that? And then people took that as like, you're trying to say that we're terrorists because we're supporting this guy that you're calling a terrorist. And Whatever. Yeah. Still, like, why are you there? Just leave people alone. Well, my guess is he did leave people alone there because he wasn't arrested, at least not that I'm aware of. Unlike at this next event. <laughs> so, uh, and bringing up old news, like this is so irrelevant. So Menzies is stalking Ron McLean who was, you know, on the show Coach's Corner with Don Cherry for the yep. longest time and is now just on it solo since Don Cherry has lost. And, well, since Don Cherry has been kicked off because Fire. he's a racist piece of shit. But then Menzies sort of like is stalking him and getting in the way. And then like the cops, he has this interaction with the cops. The cops won't let him go because he wants onto this property. The property is clearly for a private event. But he keeps claiming that it's not private property, it's public policy, our property. And uh, and he gets tackled. <laughs> so here it goes. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Great, how are you doing? Good, sir. I'm just wondering, how do you feel about the ratings for Hockey Night in Canada plummeting? No, no, uh, no, excuse no, me. No, 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 sir. Yeah, my wife. No, 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 sir. Uh, since Don Cherry uh, was fired. I wouldn't know, sir. Yeah. Huh? Excuse me. Sir, I'm, not, I'm in a public place. That was really out of breath. Why did you throw Ron under the bus? I love you said Ron instead of Don. I'm in a public place. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in a public place. Hey, do not hit me. What are you doing? You just hit me. How did you just hit me? You're holding back. I'm trying to do my job. No, you're not trying to do your job. You're trying I'm in to a public with... place. Officer. Yes, you're not allowed to hit me like that. I didn't hit you. I got it on camera. Okay? Perfect. Are you guys kidding me? It's called me? criminal harassment. This That's is assault. It's called criminal harassment is what you're doing. So I'm, I'm practicing journalism. This is not journalism. Do you have a journalism pass to be here? Huh? Yes, I do. I have press credentials. No, you don't. See, that's What is this? Are you guys kidding me? No, we're not. No, no, no. This is a private event? I'm on a public street off. You're right. That's a private event. He has a private sector here. This is incredible, folks. I got three York Regional Cops. Sorry. We don't want it out there. Are you kidding me? Stop, stop, stop. Are you kidding me? No, we're not kidding you. Huh? We're not kidding you. This is forcible confinement. No, it's not forcible confinement. It is. You're holding me back. I'm on a public street. You were in his face. You're not allowed to be in his face. That's harassment. This is called freedom of the press, officer. You were in his face. He didn't want you to be there. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. It's in, listen. Excuse me. We're, we are under Let go, go of the microphone. What's your problem now? I don't have a problem. Huh? We're just trying to stop him. We don't have the problem. The what? problem lies with you, right? Why? Listen, I'm not talking in your microphone. I can do that. Listen, listen, you can sit there and film me, but you can't shove the microphone in my face. Okay, then I'll be on my way. No, you won't. Not in here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He gets tacos. Are you kidding me? <laughs> So here's, that was uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, 
And sadly, this recent weekend, he ended up getting up with Ron McLean again. But this time it was at, it wasn't like a private thing. It wasn't like he was doing whatever he was yeah. doing in this one. And Ron McLean agreed to do an interview with him. Okay. And gave him a promise that he will do the interview. Okay. And that makes me sad because you shouldn't give him an interview. Like, there's no there's no good that could come out of this, Ron McLean. Like, what the fuck are you doing? This guy clearly has been stalking you constantly since what happened. Showing up, shoving a camera and a microphone in your face. Like, what are you doing agreeing to be interviewed by this clown? So, so that's that. I, I have to say, like, part of me, like, I'm conflicted here because part of me is very, let's say, not entirely pro-cop. <laughs> and so, yes, I have issues with, say, something like Rogers constructing on public property a kind of, like, event and then not allowing people from going on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do see oh, what David the cops... Menzies. Yes, but also, like... Yes, what David Menzies is doing, and this was the first time you heard it, and I love it being put, it's criminal harassment. Yeah. Which is what they do to every single person that they interview and do this to. Exactly. It's criminal harassment. And so, so I mean, like, it's like a yay, and a nay, it, like, cancels each other out. So it's just like, at the end of the day, I'm just happy that he was tackled by police. It's just <laughs> funny. How I feel about that. <laughs> The interview segment wasn't that great, so we're not going to cover it. It was basically Andrew Lawton was on oh, to talk with Menzies sakes. about the upcoming like, uh, leadership. Just change it up. I'm done. Hey, Lawton's, Lawton's been, so like I was going back, he's been with the Rebels since it started back in 2015. Gross. He's been committed with it. He does have his new podcast, so they were like, oh, congratulations on your new podcast. But they basically are just talking Gross. about the leadership race. And the only thing that's worth mentioning is Lawton doesn't like any of the candidates that are out so far. And his main reason is because none of them are going to fight against abortion. Gross. Which makes me like him even less than I already <laughs> disliked gross. him. Gross, uh, yeah, just gross. Yep. And then they end with a clip of Ezra. So Ezra is in Denmark right now. And he's there to witness Tommy Robinson winning the World Free Press Award at the International Free Press Society in Copenhagen, Denmark. And Ezra keeps pumping that it's a prestigious award and all this. And then admits that he himself won it back in the day when he published the Danish cartoons. But one thing he doesn't mention, which I think is important, is that he actually is a part of the board of advisors. (laughs) Of the International Free Press Society. So he's part of the reason Tommy is getting this award. A lot of the people on the board of advisors are all... Islamophobes like the the list is a who's who of Islamophobes so I think we talked about Daniel Pipes Hmm. a couple weeks ago he's on the board Robert Spencer is which is not Richard Spencer Richard Spencer is the alt-right guy but Robert Spencer I think hosts a website called Jihad Watch which is all uh you can basically get the gist of what that website's about Ezra has traveled to Denmark in Copenhagen to film this award and all that fun stuff and while there even he got into it with police 
So he's framing it as if like Denmark is this wonderful place that is so pro free speech and there's everyone there just like respects Tommy. And yet there was a large protest presence at this event with Danish Antifa and Black Lives Matter who were protesting Tommy Robinson speaking there. And of course, Ezra gets into a fight with the police there. And I don't have the clip prepared to play for you. I might play it. But basically, he even like talks about the one Danish like woman police is giving him a massage for like pushing him. And I'm like, always the misogyny. Well, it looks like um, the police are, uh, don't want uh, me to provoke. Well, I'm getting a gentle push from the police lady behind me. How are you? How are you going? So I'm going to sign off now because uh, I got a... I'm gonna go in. Take this away now, okay? Because you're talking. Do you have a ticket? I'm on the guest list. Yes. Then we need to go now. I'm gonna talk no. to this gentleman. He said no. hello to me. You can choke no, over that. Oh, wait. So you do speak English? Well, I'm getting a gentle push or a back rub from a lady cop, which is a little bit disappointing. I mean, it is the Free Press Society. It is sort of a gentle massage. That was it. So we. <laughs> The, the only person who didn't get arrested was Sheila. Sheila needs to get out there and uh, go get herself into a fight with police just to make up for the rest. You want to tell us something cool about the world? Or something showing solidarity and building movements and cool things happening that's uh, less depressing than all the shit we talked about before we yeah, started recording? but I've actually decided to change the topic oh. that I originally told you I was going to talk about. So that's change right. it. Change it. Surprise for you. I'm, I am nervous. <laughs> Glad you have faith in me. Um, so it's actually about something that's pretty close to home. Um, it involves Kingston City Council. All right. So Kingston City staff was trying to sell off the city's recycling pickup. Okay. And privatize recycling. That's not good. Why? Because they need more money or they, they don't, I don't know. Like, I still can't figure this out. Um, but the issue is going to be brought up on February 18th. Again, there is a petition going around. Um, you can go check out Kingston's, um, Kingston district labor council, and they have a petition over 300 people have signed it, but so far it was supposed to be discussed, I think last week, and it got pushed back and delayed because of the pushback they've been receiving on it. And let's, you know, Check that out and let's fucking stop privatization. Yeah, fight privatization anywhere that it that it happens to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if part of it has to do with one of the people on city council might have, like, interests or a stake in a company that wants to buy the um, thing. So well, I mean, we might not know about it. Well, but. apparently East and West Kingston are serviced by a privately owned subcontractor. And Central Kingston Curbside Recycling is administrated by public employees and only uses publicly owned infrastructure. So there already is privatization of parts of Kingston when it comes to recycling and garbage pickup. Um, it accounts for 41% of all municipal collection is public, though. So now they actually want to sell all that off to make Kingston completely privatized. 
Yeah. So it's not like this is the first of privatization of recycling. This is just like, let's continue the privatization. And so Kingston's um, just Kingston District Labor Council is now trying to push back at this and trying to fight back um, on privatization. And that's bad in the recycling business, too, because you would think that if you have government funded or organized recycling, that they're going to make sure that the materials are being used in an appropriate way. Rather than when you privatize it, it's you, you can tell that there's going to be profit incentives to do other things with this material that might not directly be the, with recycling. And there's going to be like regulations and other stuff yeah. that try to constrain it. But it's way better if like that profit motive wasn't embedded in the system. Yeah, like there isn't really, from what I've read, I've read a couple of like CTV articles. There hasn't been anything that's really explaining why the city wants to do it. Um, one thing that they proposed was that this um, the changes wouldn't take place until 2023 um, or 2025, like in between that period at earliest. But then that makes like a lot of your funding really unknown. Like, cause yeah. actually like, Selling it off means like people will lose their job, you'll lose infrastructure, like all these other things. So it it's confusing. Like it's it's like, <laughs> why would you want to go do this? But I do think it's just in this like huge realm of like privatization of public goods. And like that is one of the founding principles of neoliberalism and where a lot of unfortunately a lot of like city councils and uh, even provincial governments are moving towards, right? Like they're moving towards selling off a lot of the public goods, thinking, well, a company can just do that. I mean, I guess you could regulate it to some extent. Like you could be like, yeah, we're not going to control it, but we're going to regulate the companies that are going to do it. Like saying like they have to do it this time and this date. If they don't do it, they'll be fined, like things like that. But yeah. like, still, like, why would you, it just to me makes zero Zero cents. Oh, another thing about privatization is most garbage pickup is unionized. Same thing with recycling pickup. You sell that off, gives an opportunity for that those people not to be unionized anymore. Right. Or at least they have to fight to build that solidarity up and then Well, I think there's something in Ontario's um and I'm not a labor lawyer. So if someone who's listening is a labor lawyer, just really knows labor law really well. There is a section in the Ontario Labor Relations Act that talks all about selling off like a company or transfer of company. And I think you keep the union rights, but I think it reopens bargaining, which also is another. It's just a lot of issues. I'm yeah, not 100% yeah. sure if it's like a transfer of your union rights. Do the union rights go away? Because there has been history where... You have these public goods, they get sold to private companies, and all of a sudden the unionization disappears. And it's a way to drive the wages lower, right? So yeah. let's fight privatization. Let's fight fucking neoliberalism. We're all fucking sick of it. And, uh, and I know, get, on, get involved with your city council, too. It's always important people, to stay on top Honestly, of people don't think it's that important, but it is so important. Mm -hmm. And it could really escalate into something bigger. Like, come on, like in Chile, there's a fair hike for public transportation. And all of a sudden, it's a huge protest against neoliberalism, which is fucking awesome. And that's kind of what you guys need to be looking at. You need to be looking at even locally in your community, what's actually going on. Because I think that goes under a lot of people's noses and they think like, I got to look at the country holistically. And mm -hmm. a lot of times privatization, austerity, 
uh, deregulation is just happening right in your own city. And you can make a huge difference by just showing up to city council. Um, with that being said, you can, again, go on the Twitter page for Kingston District Labor Council and you can see that petition. They have it up there. You can sign the petition and, you know, say no to privatization. Also, since we're going to do this good news segment with stuff like that, and we have like in most of our audience is candidate based, but not just in Ontario. So if you have a local story of how people can help or get involved, uh, send us an email. Yeah. Much appreciated. And if you enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have an Instagram account, News Imperial. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Or you can send us those recommendations for local good news stories. Also, special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatom.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And don't give interviews to Rebel News. I'm looking at you, Ron McLean. Dear Ron McLean! Junction!